0: This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the Year of the Leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Well, welcome back to The Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and it's our honor to have you here today and part of this conversation. Of course, we created this space for all of us who lead from the middle. I kind of see this as our space, you know, to have the conversations we need to be having. So I pray this is helping you and adding something into your life. You know, if this conversation or any episode is helping you, uh, consider sharing them with your team. We've created some episode guides available at leadingsecond.com slash podcast to help serve you with that. Just pray that um, this is blessing you and your team and your leadership journey. And hey, this is our final episode before we're uh, taking a brief break in June, Uh, but we're back in July. I'm so excited uh, with a four-part series for the podcast, hitting some current cultural hot topic issues and how we need to be thinking about them right now. You're not going to want to miss our special summer series Of episodes in July. You know, our mission here at Leading Second is to equip local churches to raise up uncommon church builders. You know, this was never about building a ministry or a platform to us. This was about equipping churches and raising up leaders for our churches. Uh, We're calling it the year of the leader, in fact, at Leading Second. And it's been an exciting season, At Leading Second, the past few months, we have released so many new things uh, to serve you and to serve your team. I'm just going to recap them here for a minute. Of course, everything is available on our website at leadingsecond.com. But first of all, we have Leading Second Plus that has joined the lineup over the last few months. So excited about our online video resource platform uh, with online courses, fresh monthly content for you. And alongside that, a program we called Leading Second Pro. This is a group subscription for every member of your team or a license to use the content with your team, a way that we've established to make it accessible for, for your whole staff. Uh, and this comes with coaching for you of how to establish leadership development in your church. So we're excited about both of those we've also opened up applications for our next round of coaching groups uh, these coaching cohorts are designed to help you master the art of second share leadership in a really unique immersive coaching group experience it includes some on-site coaching through a coaching summit it's it's such a great tool for any executive pastor or campus pastor. I encourage you to check that out. And also we've launched over the last few months, Leading Second Build. This is our avenue of organizational coaching uh, for lead pastors and church lead teams, just to help you identify where's your church at right now and and how do we move forward? Uh, What's the team look like that you need right now in this season? Looking at your church from an organizational lens, All of those things have joined our lineup, and you know the bottom line is Lady Second is here to serve you and to serve your church. If there's any way we can be walking with you or coming alongside you, our hope is to do that. Please be reaching out to us, letting us know how we can serve your church, but it's just an honor that we get to interact with and be a part of churches in any of these capacities. I also want to say a huge thank you to this year's podcast partner, Tithely. They have come alongside us this year to make this season's episodes possible. And I'm so impressed with Tithely as I've gotten to know them, their giving platform as well as their reporting platform. You know, having a dashboard and seeing what you need to see is so important. You know, when you're driving a car and Tithely is kind of that dashboard for your church's giving. So much of church giving today is automated and done online. And I'm confident that the use of Tithely's uh, tools, their platform can help you increase your church's giving capacity as well as steward what God has given you. So for more information, head to Tithely's site. And again, we want to say a big thank you to them for partnering with us on the podcast this year. Okay, so for today's episode, we are so excited to bring you a conversation with two leaders I highly respect. Pastor Todd Mullins is with us today. Uh, He and his wife, Julie, of course, are the lead pastors of Christ Fellowship Church, which is an expansive multi site church in South Florida. I had the opportunity to visit a few years back and be a part of a leadership event. There's such a special church with a awesome culture, integrous leadership. I was just so impressed, and I love any chance I get to talk with them. And today, as a special treat, we're also joined by Dave Samil. He's been with us before. He's the campus pastor at the broadcast location of the church, and we're going to talk to Dave and Pastor Todd together. We're going to have a conversation we love to have. We call it, I Am With You. Of course, out of 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan's armor bearer to Jonathan. And you're going to get to hear from a first chair and a second chair who've served together for many years. You're going to hear from some of the dynamics that they deal with. So um, without further ado, here is my conversation. I am with you with Pastor Todd Mullins and Dave Samil. Well, this is a treat for me. I'm so excited, honored uh, to be talking with Pastor Todd Mullins and Dave Samil from Christ Fellowship Church in uh, Florida. Say, say hello. Hey,
1: guys. We're glad to be with you. Glad to be with you, Brandon. It's just great to be talking with pastors and sharing a little bit of what we're going through ourselves.
2: That's right. Hey, uh, leading second. Always good to be on the podcast. As a consumer and hearer of it, I feel uh, privileged today to be a part of the community. And uh, hopefully, today we share just a little something that could be helpful.
0: Absolutely. I just have to say, both of you, I, I love and highly respect um, you all and your team, Pastor Todd and Julie, you know, y'all are just building something so special. I was so impressed at your culture and what I was able to see a few years back. And just thank you all for um, the spirit in which you build and the culture with which you build. It's remarkable. It's healthy. Um, I just loved it. And I'm um, excited to be talking with you today. And Pastor Todd, I just uh, wanted to first maybe get our community oriented with you. How long have you been pastoring in in the lead pastor seat? And kind of what was your story coming into that space?
1: Yeah. Um, I was going to be a doctor. And right before I headed off to college, felt the call of God to go into ministry. So stepped away from my plans and said, okay, God, we'll figure out what this is. And uh, finished college, came home and started working with the church that my parents started 38, 39, 39 years mm. ago. And so it was only a couple of years old when I jumped in, small, 50 people, 60 people. So I was the first um, youth guy, worship guy, janitor, secretary, chief <laughs> car walker, whatever needed to be done, right? For the, like a long time and just grew with the church as it grew and uh, grew up into that executive pastor, kind of that second Seat chair for uh, many years. In fact, I spent decades in that seat before I ever stepped into the role of senior pastor. And, and Julie and I stepped into the role together. It's been about 12 years ago now. So we've been in this seat. But I think because I spent so much time, more, I spent more time in the second chair than in the first chair. It's given me, a, I think, a greater <laughs> maybe uh, uh, passion for those in the second sure. chair and understanding and just being a part of that journey. So,
0: Sure. I'm going to be really honest with you. I didn't realize you had that much time in the second chair. That's brilliant. We should, we should probably just be unpacking that. Uh, I love that. But what, what do you love most about pastoring now in the lead pastor seat?
1: It's <sighs> a great question. I, I think I love the fact that um, I get some of the ideas and passions and desires of the way I would maybe want to see something evolve or something that God, a burden that God's put on my heart, that, you know, 12 years ago, that was my opportunity to step in and be a part of maybe giving expression and voice to that. I remember about six months before uh, dad passed the baton to Julie and I looked at me and said, so what's your vision for the church? And I remember looking at him with like big, like daring headlight. I have no idea because that hasn't been my job. My job was to help execute and fulfill the vision God gave to you. And so he said, well, you've got six months to like go fast and pray and hear from God. And so it was a journey of like really going, okay, hey God, what are those things that you've put on the inside of me that now you you're giving birth to? It's going to have expression. Before then, it really I was able to, you know, help shape things and add add to the vision, but it wasn't mine to originate in. And so I think being able to become and step into being a visionary leader has been probably the thing i've enjoyed the most.
0: That's great and that is exactly the territory we're going to get to in a minute. We we so badly today want to hear from you as a pastor in that seat because you're talking to a community of second chair leaders. I think we just often wonder what is our pastor thinking, you know? We don't often maybe hear that and and what's on the mind of a lead pastor inquiring what minds want to know, you know, so uh <laughs> excited to have that conversation today. Dave, tell us your story really fast, just on how you arrived into the seat that you serve in today.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's crazy to think I've been at Christ Fellowship now for 14 years. Came on team as a student pastor at one of our video venue locations, was there for about two and a half years and then helped open the doors of a campus and spent four years uh, doing that. And then Seven years ago now, seven, almost, almost eight years ago now, I had the opportunity to come here to our broadcast location and serve really, really closely uh, with Pastor Todd, and uh, now too helping uh, represent some of our other campus pastors and what they're doing. And so 14 years here at Christ Fellowship, eight years before that in full-time ministry, and uh, it's been an awesome, awesome run. I
1: remember when, I remember when I saw Dave, like we talked over the phone during the interview process. And of course, you know, when he came in, got on team, but he went off to another campus. And I remember showing up at that campus. And I don't think, Dave, you knew I was there. And I was watching the way you were taking care of people and taking care of the environment. And you were seeing things that I would see and want to fix. And you were fixing them. And I'm like, I think I like that guy like a lot.
2: I'm so <laughs> glad. Yeah.
0: Well, and and Dave, you have the unique uh, perspective of being at the broadcast location. Of course, you all have several locations, but I mean, you're at the one pastor's at, so that dynamic's probably not gone away, you know, different no. than maybe some of the other campus pastors and whatnot.
2: And, I, and you know i'm still i'm still trying to see what pastor sees even this yeah. weekend we spent time together and there were just a couple of things he was like hey did you did you feel that did you hear that did you see that and so just trying to always always learn and uh, I think that's probably one of my greatest privileges of being at Broadcast is often we are shoulder to shoulder, and then I'm just watching, looking, learning, and really too, just trying to get ahead of them, which is incredibly hard to do, uh, to get a hard, to, to get ahead of the Mullins family, but uh, doing my best to serve where I can.
0: It's a valiant task and yeah. goal. <laughs> okay, uh, Pastor Todd, just the big question right out of the gate. As a lead pastor, I would just love to hear you talk on what are some of the, the tensions and weights that you carry? You know, we just talked about what you love, but no doubt your seat, as I've heard it described, I've, I've never, you know, been in a lead pastor's seat, but as I've heard it described, it has a different weight to it. Could you just give some language around what that's been like for you?
1: Absolutely. I, I think when, when you ask that question, my mind goes back to when I first felt that weight, Cause I had been with my dad serving side by side for decades, like building the church went from 50 people to 150 to 500 to 5,000 to 15 started growing. Right. And so I was growing with it. And I felt like I was in there right there with my dad building it. And I mean, he was the senior pastor. I wasn't, but you know, I was, I was all in man. I was carrying it with them. But I remember the first week after the baton passed, um, I, went, I went to my dad and I actually apologized. I said, dad, I owe you a huge apology because I had no idea uh, the, what you carried as the senior because even we co-pastored for uh, 18 months before we transitioned. And then that co-pastor role was like, okay, we're 50-50 in the responsibilities, but he was still my dad and he was still the senior. You know, he, he's my pastor. And so there was. he was probably still shouldering it. But the moment he stepped back, and, and I stepped into it. I remember feeling this spiritual weight and responsibility. It was a burden, but not in a bad way burden. It was just this, this thing that I felt on my shoulders. It, it changed. I, I noticed that the words that I, when I I talked to some of the guys on the team, the same way I talked to them a month ago, and I realized my words landed a little heavier on them. And uh, just even in the the joking and fun stuff, it's just I just had to go, wait, my words are landing wow. heavier. And I'm feeling read of it a little bit more. And, and so I think when I think about it now, I, I think about and then the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he talks about, you know, the hardships he's endured. And he lists like, you know, prisons and beatings and shipwrecks and this long list. And then at the very end of that part, he says, and besides of all those things, there's the daily pressure, or it's even in the in the Greek meaning like almost this inescapable pressure and concern for the churches that he feels and it's even in like who's weak and who might stumble and i i realized that's really the voice of it it's like there's this burden of maybe the whole that is not something you try to escape it's from god that you're supposed to carry it for the staff for the community for the people because we always tell our, our team that we're not just pastoring a church we're pastoring a community we're pastoring cities and regions and there's a spiritual kind of weight that comes with that and i know we're supposed to cast all our cares on jesus and and uh, all that but paul was actually telling us right there that he actually carried this burden that he couldn't get away from and so i think the number one thing is just that feeling of responsibility and even as the church ministry grows uh, the greater the influence in a community i think there's greater vulnerabilities that the ministries need to be prayed over and think about and be concerned with so that's it's probably the number one big overarching
0: what would you say to the leader listening they're well intentioned in how they're serving but but they're just unaware of the fact that there's a different weight you know you know yeah. they haven't been in that seat they may never just like what would you say right to that that leader
1: well i, I first of all i i don't expect anybody else to know what that is cuz i didn't know it and i was closer to my dad sure than anybody could have been. And besides my mom, I think my mom knew, Julie knows, like there's a shared responsibility with spouses. So I don't put that on anybody and make them go, you have no idea (laughs) what it's like. I mean, they're they're not supposed to have any idea what it's like. So I don't, first of all, I'd say, don't feel bad that you don't know. Don't feel bad that you're unaware that you're not supposed to. That's not yours to, to carry. And so there's no guilt in that or that. But I would also say there's like, you don't know what you don't know. So there's things as maybe that you don't know about what the, the, the leaders carrying or the burden they're under, or just even the burden that, you know, every time they, every Sunday, they got to come up with a fresh anointed word. That's from the heart of God. And it's funny and it's engaging, and it's going to reach the people that are lost in the room and the people that have been saved for 70 years, all at the same time there, that's a pressure, right? Or that every time you walk into a room, I don't just get to go to staff meeting. I've got to help steward it and carry it and teach it and give a word. And most of the time, so there's that, I think just you don't. You don't know everything. You don't know. So I would just say, just yeah. put that filter on. There's some things you don't know, and that you don't have to know. But there's things that your yep. leaders carrying.
0: It's it's like your part time public speaker, part time comedian, part time architect, part time you know human resources expert. Right. You know, just all, all of the hats that I think we we don't see. Dave, let me come over to you. Yeah. Um, just. You're, you're, I, I just always get the sense from you, you're all in and you, you got that, that Jonathan's armor bear spirit. We talk about it a lot, you know, pastor go do all that's in your heart. You know, why do you go all in? You know, why, yeah. where, where's that heart coming from in you?
2: Well, I think you just heard a little bit of that. Uh, that heart for me is because of the heart that pastor has. Um, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what he's carrying. Um, but I see somebody who's all in. I mean, Pastor Todd will preach uh, seven Easter services and will be the last one at the altar. He will stay. He will be all in. Pastor Julie, we've got a woman's conference coming up this weekend. She'll have guests from all over the nation, plus all the ladies of our house and all of that. And she'll she'll be one of the last ones on the dance floor at the after party. Like uh, Pastors Todd and Julie are all in. So it's, It's easy to be all in when your first chair leader is all in. And when your first chair leader has the heart that they have, I mean, where else would you want to be all in, you know, but right here. And so I think that's one of the things that drives me. And just to piggyback on what Pastor said, I I don't know what he carries. I don't know the weight of that. As a second chair leader, I'll, I'll never know. But what I do know is that I can find out some way to help ease the burden and lift the load where I can, and without getting too preachy. And hell, you know, I want to I want to lift his arms as Moses' arms were lifted, and he had victory. I want to I want to lift Todd's arms. I want to lift the burden. I want to help him win where he can, and keep things from his plate where I can, and uh, help shoulder that burden because I don't know all the other burdens that he's carrying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, you you can preach to us. We're we're okay. We're okay. Yeah, Dave,
2: you do that so
1: well. You really do. You do that really You always are asking, "What can I what can I do? Is there something else you're seeing? Is there something else that you that would be better, better for the team to jump in and help with?" Or so you you do, brother. You lift my arms up. Awesome. Oh,
0: yeah, you. and you know, making making that a bit more practical, Pastor Todd. Um you know, I'm sure you've worked with with several You know, over the years in different capacities right around you, if you could think about it, what are some things that the leaders around you in your airspace have done that have helped carry weight, just like practical things?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing there is just always asking, what do you need? What can I do? And most of the time, I'm going to like, uh, you're doing it, right? But every once in a while, there's something that I'm I'm looking for maybe the right time to bring up. Or uh, our team, we try to have a real good culture of giving feedback. So a lot of times, like, hey, if you saw anything that we could do better, if you saw anything when you popped into the campus that you would want to speak into, please tell me. So I think making it easy for your leader to give you feedback and coaching, open up opportunities. I do that with the people in my life. Like I'll get with my dad and I'm like, we'll be away on a trip and I'll say, okay, what's that thing that you're waiting for the right time to talk to me about? You know, you gotta, you know, you're waiting for the right thing. How about now's the right time? Doors wide open. What do you need to say to me as he's my pastor? So as my pastor, what do you need to speak into my life? And I think anytime we just make it easy for people to, to do that, um, it just, it builds strength. It builds trust. It allows a leader to easily, you know, bring up something without worrying about stepping on eggshells.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Dave, I guess, opposite question to you. What, uh, what's, what's your lens on that question? What do you do? What do you look to do to try to support pastor Todd and Julie?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think to, to, To be so close to your senior pastor, your first chair leader, whoever it is, but not know what's most important to them is such a hindrance. And so you've got to figure out what's most important to them. And some of them may not might not just come out and say, hey, this is most important to me right now. Um, But if I know what's most important to pastors Todd and Julie, I make that most important to me. And as a second chair leader, what's most important to me cannot be what's not most important to them. So I'm always trying to figure that out, trying to stay in that season. We're in a season as a church right now that we call heart for the house. And I know that that is what is most important to Pastor Todd right now. So it's up to me to cascade that, to carry that, to uh, protect and help, help give voice to it. And then three months, or I may mean, know in three weeks, he's going to have something else that's most important to him in that time. But for now, for right there, man, I, I want to help by knowing what's most important to him. And and for me, it's a little clearer with our leaders. I'm grateful for that. I know that might not be the case for every listener today. So you've just got to listen intently to those Sunday messages and those meetings, and you're going to pick up, okay, this is important to them. And then now you start to carry it. You start to cascade Beautiful. that communication. It's going to be helpful.
0: So we were talking about, you know, what Pastor Todd might carry that we're unaware of. I'll bet there's some opposite things though. I bet there's things that you do that he has no idea you do. Like what are you filtering? <laughs> you know, what are you, what are you handling so that it doesn't get to the first seat unnecessarily. You know, in other words, the things that don't need to be there.
2: Yeah. So we, we actually say this thing around here and I might've said it on an old podcast or whatever, is that we filter the fuss and we monitor the moan. Like it, I think it's up to me to make sure that I'm filtering the frustrations, right. you know, that are happening. And, and here's the deal. Here's the idea with that too, is um, because somebody comes up to you in, the, in a lobby after a weekend service or a teammate comes to you after a staff meeting and they say one thing that might've hit them wrong or whatever, that's, that's not a trend. That's, that's one person. That's one person. You don't have to lead up with like, Hey, I was talking to, you know, some people are really concerned. No, that was one person. And so I try to filter out the trivial things. So those don't get to pastor. I report up on the trends. And then I think, you know, the, the thing that pastor, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if, if I'm caring for people, if we're pastoring people, if we're building teams and we're developing leaders, uh, I, I think I'm I'm keeping a lot of things off of his plate, out of his office, and you know some things trickle in to his office from time to time. And what I what I love about Pastor is that he always fills that gap with trust. If something comes to him, a, a dropped ball from something that happened, he's going to fill that gap with trust, and then he's going to just go, "Hey, help me understand how did we get here? How did this happen? And and we're gonna we're gonna make it right." You know those things those things get to his office. We try and work really hard to make sure that those things aren't there so that pastors Todd and Julie, especially in a multi-site church context, that they can think about the whole and not be caught up with the the one at any given campus.
0: So That's sitting on that for a minute, because, you know, we, we hear things in the second chair. We do hear the moan, right? We do hear the fuss. And, you know, it could be easy sometimes to think, well, man, they got a point, you know, or they, you know, we, we live in that tension of, of, you know, hearing those things, but then we yeah. we're, were the recipients of vision. How do you handle, you know, just, just that, that tension in, yeah. in the middle?
2: Yeah. So for me on some of those things, I, I, I have to ask myself a series of questions when, when something like that comes in, even if I'm, I, and one of those questions is, is this my, is this my preference? Is this their preference or is this a principle? There you go. You know, preference or principle. If this is a principle issue, um, I, I'm I'm going to lead up with that. But but I also instead of going directly to Pastor Todd in our organization, I may go to our executive director, multi site right. and go, "Hey, this is kind of feeling this. What do you think?" And oftentimes, if I'm bringing it to him, he's quickly to go, "Hey, let's let's process that with Pastor." So I'm asking some questions, kind of filtering that, and then the other question I ask if 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 it was about me or concerning me, what I want to know. And if it would be hmm. something that I would want to know that I, if it took place at, at, at um, uh, on my team or at my campus or whatever it might be, and I would want to know, I wouldn't want someone to keep that from me. I'm, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to lead up with that. And then the other thing that, and this isn't necessarily a question, but with that monitoring the moan, filtering the fuss, if I'm going to lead up with something, I'm usually going to say, and this is what we're doing about it. So yeah. I'm not just going to go, Hey, yeah. Here's what I heard. This was the problem. Check-ins were down across all campuses and we could, I'm going to, hey, check-ins were down uh, across campus locations. Power went out. We didn't have battery backups. I'm working with IT. We're going to have battery backups. Just well, you know, it happened, but we're solving the problem.
1: Yeah, I think when Dave Dave does that, uh, he... It, it, did, it builds trust that he's not keeping something from me because he doesn't want some, you know, me to know, but also he's solved the problem or they're in the process of, they've identified the problem enough to work out a couple of solutions, then that's great. I know about it and I'm ready to move on. The other thing I would say, Brandon, is that when they when the team does not use superlatives, uh, when, they, when they're when they bringing problems, everybody always, they never, I'm like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm believing you right now because I'm not sure it's everybody. So I think when they let me know, we had four people that were upset about this and we just think you need to know. It's only four out of 4,000, so we're not too worried. But it, I think just putting it always in perspective helps us know, is it really something that needs to be dramatized?
0: Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. I mean, everybody's always three people. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's such a good point. That's such a good point.
1: Hey Brandon, one other thing that one other thing in that question, when when you asked, what's what what is it that some people have done over the years that helped? Yeah, that's helped you. I would just say, man, to all the second chairs out there, just remember that your senior leader is a person, too. Um, they might be your past pastor, obviously, or your spiritual leader, or your, even your boss, but they're people. And so I think they just remembering that that we. They have needs uh for friendship relationship and inclusion and i mean our team has done a great job just um keeping the friendship like we want we need friendships yeah, yeah we got the spiritual responsibility we got lead and all that but we also just want to hang and play cards and eat ice cream and cook out and go shoot something or watch something or we want to do all those things and i think sometimes we went through a season where some of the people closest on our team I think they were they were thinking, man. Todd and Julie are so busy right now; their schedule's crazy. We don't want to ask them out to dinner or ask them over to go see a movie or anything because that will just add to their calendar. So their attempt to kind of honor us actually uh, excluded us from wow. the thing we needed—relationship wow. and life. And so I remember um, sitting down with our our team, the team that's like right around us, and just uh, letting them know, hey, we we miss being together. And so we, I need, I need to, I don't want to always be the one asking you. I think they were always waiting for me to ask and me to initiate, Hey, you want to go to dinner? Hey, you want to come over? And, um, and it, because they knew we were busy, but it, it also made it feel like I was always the one wanting to initiate. So they must not want to get with me. And they were like, no, you're just, you're busy. So I think just understand that they're, they're people that want relationship and you guys are, we do life with the people closest to us. I mean, Dave and Rhonda, they're over at our house, We'd like to be at least once a week if we can make that happen, just to hang out and eat ice cream, play cards, do something. Um, our guys closest to us, we vacation with them, we hang out, we, we enjoy being together, and that brings life. So I just that's really been one thing that's helped kind of lift the burden of of leadership.
2: And I, and I would just add one thing to that: you know, you get that time with your first chair leader; it doesn't always have to be work. And it's, it's hard to go into those, you know, we're going to play cards. We're going to eat ice cream. We're going to hang out. And I, Hey, can I talk to you about one thing about the weekend or can we, you know, we really try uh, We try to keep it genuinely fun. And usually pastors Todd and Julie are losing at the card game. So they're, they're frustrated anyway.
1: Uh, not true. Lately we have lost a few times,
0: but uh, normal. So I think what you're saying is read the room, <laughs> you know, read, read the room, read yeah. the moment. Um, you know, as you're talking, Pastor Todd, I'm interested on in something. Um, we created Leading Second to bring dignity and value to the second chair and to champion it. You know, that it's not, you know, for for many of us, it's not this like placeholder stepping stone on the way to something else. You know, many of us, this actually is our assignment, either either right now or um I mean, someone like myself, I would say indefinitely. you know, I, I I imagine myself going the distance and doing it by way of holding up my pastor's arms. So talk to us about how you you decided in your heart that first chair leadership it was what you felt God was asking of you versus second chair because you spent that time in the second chair and you know, like just what What did that decision, how, how did you decipher God's calling on you for that? Because I feel like in the same way, some of us in the second chair have to decipher it and would add up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm called to be in the second seat.
1: Right. Great question. I, uh, I did not necessarily feel called to the first chair. So when I felt called to ministry, it was to build the church of Jesus Christ, right. whatever that right. was, whatever that looked like. And again, it was, Lot, many years hidden on the backside of a mountain with 70, 80, 90 people. It was small. Uh, but even as the church grew, I think there was an assumption at some point, oh, you're, you're Tom's son, so you'll probably step into leading. And I was leading already. We had you know a large staff, and I was leading the staff in that executive pastor role. But when the time actually came when we started talking about it to pray about, uh, Julie and I did not necessarily um, aspire to it or even necessarily want it. It was, in fact, I remember praying about dad, you know, dad was like, Hey, you know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And I'm like, well, let me pray about it because I, I don't know if I want to. And we even prayed, Lord, there's someone else that needs to, when dad transitions, that needs to be the senior pastor. And we just need to stay in this role and stay as a second serving the vision. We will do that because we're committed to the church and your kingdom. So it wasn't until we really spent that time fasting and praying that we felt, no, we were to step into this role of senior pastor. And then we began the process of that transition. But I, I think it's, I, I loved being in the second chair. I, I even think back um, to the privilege of being the armor bearer for my dad. It's, it was probably the greatest privilege I've ever had in my life that even is beyond being the senior pastor now. And so I it's a sacred trust and a sacred calling that I would say is extremely noble and worth worthwhile and uh, and would have stayed there indefinitely.
0: And I you know part of my passion for this came out of when, when I we started traveling and helping churches 11 years ago, um, the, the very first trip I was freaked out, didn't know what I was doing, you know just got it just opened a door. but I felt past I felt God say to me, as I was praying for this pastor, we were going to go serve. I felt God say, "Give pastors an army." In other words, kind of this idea of what what could a pastor do if they knew their team was in lockstep behind them, you know? And and I, I feel like that's been forever the mandate on this space. What would you say to a pastor about the value of the second chair? And by second chair, you know, we're talking anyone that just raises their hand and says, "I'm in. I'm in for this vision. I want to champion it." What would you say to to another lead pastor about the value of this place? Because we we feel like sometimes it's a little more unseen and undernoticed for its strength.
1: Having spent you know nearly two decades in that second chair seat, I would I would want every pastor to understand the value of that person and their vision and their heart and their gifting. That in fact I can't do what I'm called to do without the people in the second chair doing what they're called to do. It, with, it, without them helping to execute on and lead through the team and the staff and the volunteer, I my my, my effectiveness is is not going to go. It's not going to be very far. not going to take me very far. not going to move the church forward it's actually all syncing together. It's it's all parts of the body functioning. And so the value, the, the gift that that is, when you find, and we've got, we've got a bunch of men and women in the second chair at our church that are all in, just like Dave and Rhonda, and their hearts are for the mission of the church. Their hearts are for Julie and me. Their hearts are for what God's called us to. And they express that, not just through their words, but through their uh, their prayers, and and you can just see it in the way when they lean into an assignment or they lean into a new season of vision or even work through a difficult challenge. Man, they that's, the body is strong because of them. And without them, the body could not function the way we're supposed to. So I would tell, man, all the other senior pastors, man, anything you do to pour into the second chairs and, and let them know, man, those people on your team that are in those roles, they are mission critical, not just to get your vision accomplished, but just to be... Yeah. Food, the church is called to yep. be.
0: Let me kind of start landing the plane with this subject, and that would be the subject of building trust. I feel like trust is the great currency in this relationship, and of course, trust is you know built over a long time, and it's 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 lost in moments. So I'll do, I guess either one of you can take a shot at this. Maybe we'll start with you, Pastor Todd. Just what what builds trust? with you and, and Dave, um, what, what, what do you do to try to make sure that trust currency, uh, stays high, you know, with your pastor? I'd just love to hear you guys talk about trust for a minute.
1: Okay. Um, this is really a great, easy topic for Dave and I to talk about because of, I I believe there's a lot of mutual trust that flows between the, the two of us and on our team. And you're right. Trust is the foundation for a healthy relationship, any relationship And uh, when it comes to a working relationship, especially, and I think everybody wants to work in an empowered culture, you know, where there's, where's trust is there and man, everybody can function in their gifting. And most people think uh, that whether or not there's a a culture of trust or empowerment is all really based on the leader. Does the leader trust me? Will the leader trust his team? Uh, But I, I, I try to tell our team, man, empowerment goes both ways. You are just as possible for creating a culture of empowerment as I am, or the leader over your department is. We all have to work together on this. And so when someone does their job and they do it really well, that creates a culture of empowerment. When a team player does what's expected of them, and then maybe a little bit more, what does that do? That builds trust. That leader trusts them, and they usually get a little bit more. I think about Joseph uh, in the Old Testament. uh, He wasn't put in charge of Potiphar's house the day he showed up at Potiphar's house. right? He probably got the lowest pitiful stinky cleaning the outhouse kind of job, right? That's that's what the lowest, newest servant in the in the house would have gotten. But there had to been a day when Potiphar went to that outhouse and he was like, wow, this place is cleaner than it's ever been. And it actually doesn't smell so bad. Who did this? And it was Joe. And all of a sudden, Joe is given a little bit more to work with to the point that it says that Potiphar left Joseph in charge of everything that he had. And with Joseph, he didn't even think about anything except what he was going to eat. And so that didn't just happen. Joe had to make that happen. So that amount of trust actually came because Joseph was committed to excellence and going above and beyond. And so when I see team players do that and uh, give their best and lean in and own things and even own stuff that isn't their mess, like there you go. Um, in ministry is messy. And there's a lot of things that don't fit into nice boxes. And when people go, I'll take it. I got it. Let me work on that. Not a big deal. Man, that just builds builds trust.
0: Own something that isn't your mess. Dave, you ever done that? Own oh, something yeah. that isn't your yeah, mess.
2: Absolutely. It, no one's allowed to say around here, that's not my job. Yeah, right? there you go. <laughs> it's, it's all of our jobs. We do it. I, I think one of the things about trust that I love between Pastor Todd and I is, is he is trustworthy. And because he's trustworthy, he's trusting as well. And um, I just, uh, I know that my pastor, man, I know that at the end of the day, he loves me and he loves Rhonda and he loves our soul. He loves who we are as people more than what we can do uh, for him uh, in our church. Um, but I also, you know, know that he does trust us. And I think that's one of the greatest things that any first chair leader can tell someone in the second, third, fourth, fifth chair is, I trust you. You know, yes, um, you can give your team time off. You can give your team maybe a bonus and a paycheck. And for some teams, maybe you need to do that this week. But I think greater than time off and a, and a bonus is when your leader says, I trust you. Um, because that trust, again, you've already said it, Brandon, is is the currency of the relationship. And so I think it's I think it's so powerful to be able to have that and um, I, I need to quote a president, uh, Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. Uh, and and uh, it's actually <laughs> one of the things we talk about in our card games a lot. I'm, I'm trusting, but I got to verify. did you get your phase? Did you get it? Uh, but I think that builds trust too is just not to say, hey, I trust you, but I'm gonna circle back around and this is one of the, pastor Todd and Julie, they are so their minds. I, again, they're so gifted, but pastor will contact me, you know, six months from a situation and go, Hey, remember when we talked about John Smith, um, what happened to him and, and where's he at? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was six months ago. right huh? But he's trusted me to care for John. And so, man, I, I better know what's going on with John. How am I following up with that? And so he's, He's trusting but he's also verifying and holding accountable and I think that all adds uh, to the trustworthiness of that second chair leader.
0: Yeah, that's well said well said. I have a last question for each of you and I my theory on podcasts is if someone's still listening we're you know half an hour in, whatever it is, if someone's still listening, they needed this conversation. A long drive. I mean, they, <laughs> the, <what> <laughs> the workout's done and then they're still listening, you know, yeah. at this point they needed this. So I, I, I think of that person a lot. And Pastor Todd, what would you say right now to the leader that's a little frustrated with their pastor? And like, would you just be able to speak in their heart for a minute? If they're just sitting in that place, it's not where they want to be, but they're there. What would you say to that?
1: I would just encourage you not to confuse your assignment with your calling. Your calling has mm. been to build the church. Your calling has been to be faithful to Jesus and let make, make the bride beautiful for the return of Christ. That's your calling. You're called to this. Uh, your assignment right now may not feel so great. And I've been in a lot of those places where my assignment wasn't great. I felt like I had more in me. I remember when we had you know, eight kids in my youth group and I'm like, I could do more than eight. I, I've got more than the. But don't confuse your assignment where you're at right now with the calling you've got. Be faithful in your assignment and God's going to get you. Your calling is going to work its way out. The things that God has for you next, just be faithful now where you are. God will get you where you need to go you're going to learn things. I've learned more stuff when I was frustrated than I learned when everything was going good because I had to learn how to trust God. I learned how to work, through the hard thing. I built some muscles that you don't, you only build muscles when there's a struggle. And so that, that, that struggle is going to produce some strength in you. So hang in there. I I know I've been, I was there many times and he was my dad and I had to (laughs) process through all that with him, you know, but it made me better in the in the season that I was in and ready for the next assignment God had for me
0: there you go beautiful beautiful well said Dave you get the last word today this is leading second so you get the you get the final word would you just you know maybe maybe talk about a a prayer or exhortation you have for a second chair leader right now just someone who's who's faithfully serving from from your seat to theirs um what would you say to their heart today
2: Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to speak from what I think uh, Holy Spirit's been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks. Just thinking a lot about Peter's words uh, in First Peter, Chapter five, where he just says, hey, all of you clothe yourself with humility. Uh, Be subject to your elders. There's this idea of submission there. Talks about God opposing the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God at the proper time. He's going to lift you up. And without a doubt, there's probably some second chair leaders that are first chair leaders in the making. Um, But before you're ever lifted up and before you ever go into that place, not to say that first chair is more significant or greater impact, it's different. It's a different weight, it's a different thing you carry. But man, humility looks good on everybody. So, choose the way of humility, choose the way of submission uh stay away from this idea of entitlement and just allow god in the proper time to exalt you and that exalting i don't know that necessarily it's a promise or maybe just really a definition of what god's going to do in the proper time and so i'd encourage them encourage everybody let's dress in humility let's serve our first chair leaders lifting their load
0: beautiful well said We'll leave it there today. I honor you both. Thank you so much for giving us a clear pattern to follow today. We thank you for it. Honor you for it. Well, hey, Leading Second, that's it. That's a wrap on the first half of season six. I'm so thankful to everyone who's been with us the past few months. It's the year of the leader. And uh, during our summer break, go back and binge all the episodes you can take in. We have some great conversations that we've had this spring. We're going to be back with a special four-part summer series on some cultural hot topic items you're not going to want to miss. And then right back this fall, we're back with the rest of season six on the Leading Second podcast. So Leading Second, until then, we love you. We're running alongside you. Until we talk again, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.